thank you uh, to the worship team. Sorry for springing it on you. You did well. When the, the Apostle Paul was um, writing to the, the believers in Corinth, because there were people there who were, who were trying to undermine his ministry. And, and the way that they tried to undermine his ministry was twofold. One, they tried to discredit him as an apostle. And the other was that they tried to undermine what he was preaching. And when he became aware of that, when he, he became aware of what was happening amongst the Corinthian believers, he wrote these words in response to that. And you'll find them in 2 Corinthians. It's on the next slide. And I put that, those next to each other. From 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And what he was saying is this. There are guys trying to undermine and add to what I've been teaching you. And our response is we take authority over those guys. Over those strongholds, we reject that false teaching. That, that's how warfare takes place. He says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I've put it next to that so you can see how the, the NLT puts it. He says we are human but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons not merely worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. While in many battles we will face um, as believers, the, the one that we need to be alert to, the one that we must never ever underestimate, are the attempts to undermine what we believe. all started in the garden where there was a serpent we read about that that began to suggest that God was not really serious about what he said you remember the very first words of the serpent did God really say and you know the interesting thing that I've discovered that still continues today that hasn't stopped so, so when Paul poses a question when he writes to the the believers in Rome, he is identifying an issue that he knew would surface in the church. And it goes like this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And that was not just a hypothetical question. People have said when they, they've read Paul's letter to the Romans, well, 
Paul's kind of just almost presenting this as an argument. It's kind of a hypothetical case. I want to suggest to you it was not just a hypothetical question. It's something that's playing itself out in the church right now. You see, when there's a strong focus on grace, which there is and there's meant to be, the, the, there is the possibility that it can lead to the downplaying of the seriousness of sin, which I think is also what's happening. Do you know that there are massive debates going on in the church all over the world about one word, sin? Whether God is really serious about sin, whether the church is taking too strong a stand on certain issues and needs to lighten up a bit. Sadly, I have to say to you, we even have the situation now where sinful behavior is being sanctioned by the church. And the church is meant to be the one organization that's shouting from the rooftops, sin is dangerous. Sin is life-threatening. It's something we need to steer clear of at all costs. The message that the church proclaims is that Jesus had to die because of sin. That the death of Jesus sets people free from the penalty of the sin of sin that that through the cross the power of sin is broken that's the message that the church preaches not dabble in it or sanction it or it's okay or god wasn't serious about it so let's read what paul says we'll start with verse one in chapter six here's his question what shall we say then Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? His answer is, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin 
reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master. Because you are not under law. But you're under grace. Now Paul answers this question that he posed. Shall we go on sinning? By going back to the significance and meaning of what is called believer's baptism. That's where he lands. This is where he's going to pick up his whole argument to the question that he has posed. Let me read it to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but let me just read it. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? In other words, he's saying that through baptism, we are proclaiming something. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, believer's baptism, is a, it's, a, it's a declaration that something very significant has taken place in the life of the believer. In the early church, baptism was not an add-on extra or a nice-to-have. People were getting baptized because they knew something had taken place in their life. And, and they wanted... It, they weren't getting baptized because they wanted to put on a show. They didn't want to get wet in front of a whole group of people. They were getting baptized because they were making a declaration about what God had done in their life. They were saying something very powerful. And, and just to remind you, there, there are two occasions that I thought about when people were baptized that almost nobody was around. One was the Ethiopian eunuch and was in the middle of the desert. And sure, he would have had a bit of an entourage with him because he was quite a wealthy and powerful person. But when he heard the gospel, the first thing he says, there's some water, let me get baptized. I want to proclaim what Jesus has done in my life. The other one's the Philippian jailer. I think it's in Acts chapter 16. In the middle of the night, he gets saved and his whole family. And he says to the guys, baptize us. We want to get baptized because we want to make a declaration. And it wasn't like, get the church together so we can get wet in front of you. You see, believer's baptism is an outward expression of an inner work that has taken place. Not going to take place, has taken place. There are four things, I think, that come out in believers' baptism. And in a sense, Paul, remember, he's answering this question. He says, number one, the power of sin is broken. You know, that, that, that phrase, the power of sin is broken, is something that's often misunderstood by many people. What it simply means is that sin no longer has power over us, not that we won't ever struggle with temptation or sin again. Verse 14 of Romans chapter 6. Sin shall not be your master. 
sin is no longer exercising power over you because sin is not simply doing something wrong. I do something wrong because sin has power over me. You understand? Does it make sense to you? So when we are getting baptized, we're saying, Jesus broke the power that that had over my life. When Jesus died on the cross, he was not only taking on himself the penalty of sin, he was breaking the power that sin had over our lives. Many of you will not know of this because it was unheard of in your day, but it wasn't in mine. So when I finished school, every single one of us guys had to, uh, we had to appear uh, on the station wherever you lived and you were taken off to army training. It was called national service. For a year, some guys for two years, for me it was nine months. And when you arrived there, there were a bunch of people, they were called instructors and officers. And they screamed at you, and they shouted at you, and they told us to do the most terrible things, like get up at two o'clock in the morning and go and run for 20 kilometers. They'd tell you to carry huge poles. They would make you run until you almost wanted to faint. You, you just had to do everything that they said to you. And that just went on and on and on and on. But there came a day when we call it being demobilized. In other words, you were out of the army. And you know what? If one of those instructors comes to me and said, John, go and run 20 kilometers, I would have laughed in his face and said, try another one. If he had got like really angry with me, said, you better or else, I would have still laughed at him. If he'd really, if he'd really said, you know, something terrible will happen to you if you don't, I would have still laughed at him. You see, when I got demobilized, he no longer had power over me. That's what the Bible is saying. When Jesus died on the cross, he broke the power that that had over you. You no longer have to allow that to be your master. That's what's happening when you get baptized. You're saying the power of sin is broken. But baptism is also a declaration that we are done with sin. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we died to sin. Let me put it to you like this. When we get baptized, it is an indication that you and that I have come to a decision that once and for all, my sinful life is behind me. And I need to say this evening, that's a decision you and I need to take. Nobody's going to force you. We need to be clear about this thing. When I came to Christ and surrendered my life to Christ, I was saying, sin, I'm done with you. doesn't mean I'm never going to face temptation. doesn't mean I'm never going to ever sin. It's, it's making a statement for yourself so that when we're faced with temptation, we say over again, I'm done with that. It's over with. You see, the problem is, unless you say it's done with, I'm over with it, next time you get temptation, you start to dabble in, oh, well, maybe, maybe. Friends, there is a place to say, it's over, I'm done with it, it's behind me, it's finished. This is not on the screen, but let me read it to you. Paul was writing to the Colossians, he said, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your sinful nature. He said, like, you've put it behind you. 
sexual immorality, impurity, and all of those things. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm done with that stuff. But then baptism also signifies, remember this is all Paul's answer to this question, shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? He's saying that baptism also signifies that, that someone who was spiritually dead is now spiritually alive. Listen to this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Being spiritually alive means that something miraculous has taken place in your life and mine. And we know that. It's evident because people, for they love God. That's something you never used to do. I never used to do. Love God. Put God first. Trust God. Rely on God, serve God, listen to God. It's everything is about God because we have spiritual life. Where there was death, there is now life. And you see, a miracle takes place when we turn to Christ and we can't explain it, we can only describe it. But the fourth thing about baptism, and this is something that we need to just sit on for a minute, Baptism is a recognition that we are united with Christ. Now, I'm going to use a word that some of you have heard before. This is a revelation that comes to us in Scripture. And the word a revelation means something that God reveals to us that's not openly obvious. He's saying that when you get baptized, it is, a, it is declaring something. It is a recognition that that we are united with Christ. And the best example I can give you, because united with Christ means to be grafted in. Have some of you seen a tree that's been, had another tree grafted into it? What they do is they will make a, a, an insertion and they'll take a, a branch of another tree, maybe this is an apple tree and from a pear tree, and they'll graft it in there and they'll bind it closed and the two will grow together until that becomes one tree. You can't separate it anymore. The, both of those, the apple and the pear, both living off the same trunk of tree and they're both alive because that's what it's saying. We got grafted into Jesus. In other words, it can be said, because of that, when Jesus died, you died. Our old life died. When Jesus rose, a new way of living became possible for us. Because, you see, the penalty of sin was paid for you when Jesus died. Therefore, there's no more condemnation. Because the price has been paid. We can live a new life. I thought to myself, asked myself this question, why is this revelation so important? And I believe it's important for one reason. Sin never ever, or temptation never ever comes to us dressed up looking like a demon. Have you noticed how nice temptation looks? It's presented as something really worth having. It's going to be really nice. It's going to be so cool. It's going to feel good. If you had your eyes open, you'd realize it does look like a demon, and it does want to destroy your life. 
And so God comes and he says to us that you and I are united with Christ and the power of sin is broken and you can stand up against that. This new way of living is possible. Because we're now under God's grace and not the power of sin. And so that's what he says. So when you're getting baptized, four things that he touches on. I'm done with sin. The power of sin is over. There's spiritual life. And I am united with Jesus. Now I need to say this to you. You need to know that. If you're going to take authority over and tear down strongholds of the enemy that wants to lie to you. But this all leads to something Paul says that, that we need to understand. God's intention is not just that we stop doing things. We stop living a sinful lifestyle. But rather he's saying that needs to be replaced by something much better. It's called the new life of the believer. Listen to this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't go back now that this has happened so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. This is something some of you may know of the living free course that we do in the church, but it's something that we teach and that while we need to recognize where there's sin and where there's temptation and even strongholds, lies that we have believed, there needs to be the replacing of the old with something new. There's a very interesting scripture. Todd spoke about it this morning. And interestingly enough, it's a similar one that I want to share with you this evening. It's Matthew chapter 12. And I want you to just listen to this. It says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. The house being a person. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and, and, and it takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final outcome a condition of that man is worse than the first. Now, that's quite a hectic thing. But I think that's a picture of what happens in the realm of the spirit, where demons are persistently trying to gain a foothold in people's lives, and when we open our lives to sin, we're opening and exposing our lives to that. That's what Paul is saying. If we go back to sinning, Sin reigns again, which means we open the door to end the enemy in our lives. Friends, when you sin, you're not just doing something wrong. You see, that's where the, the enemy has deceived us. Well, I just did something wrong. That's all okay. Friends, it's not you just doing something wrong. There is an enemy. There is the demonic realm, if I can put it to you like this, who are looking for a place to come and land. And you might say, I'm say John, you're being very melodramatic. I think I need to. That's why Paul's like passionate. Don't go back there. 
Jesus, what he did on the cross, he, he defeated the enemy. He's broken the power of sin, but why do you want to go back there? But as we make a decision to honor God, which I believe is an ongoing daily decision. I don't mean you made that 100 years ago, I'm going to honor God. It's a daily decision that we make. And do what is right. We begin to experience the freedom of Christ, the power of Christ, and the presence of Christ. What I'm trying to say, even though Jesus has paid the penalty for sin and broken the power of sin in our lives, you and I need to make a choice every day of our lives. How are we going to live? Offer your body to the Lord. Choose to do what's right. Don't use this incredible freedom to do what's wrong and allow sin to have power again. You see, being free is absolutely amazing. I mean, when I got out of the army, I said, woohoo, those guys can't tell me what to do again. Like, they can jump up and down all they like. I'm done with that. But you know what? Even though you're free, even though I'm free, we're going to still be faced with temptation, right? Even though we're free, there's still going to be peer pressure, right? Even though we're free, we've still got our old nature to contend with. And here's what this Holy Spirit wants us to grab onto and what the devil wants to get us to doubt. Anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And I want to say to you, in Jesus, you are free. Don't use the freedom for the wrong reasons. Use it to offer your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Now there are two things I want to do as I wrap up. One is this. There, there may be some of you, and I think there are some of you that need to get baptized. And I'm saying it that way because you need to make a declaration first and foremost to yourself. As you do that to say, Christ, when he died on the cross, he broke the power of sin. I'm done with sin. I have new life, spiritual life. I'm united to Christ, and that's me. The next time you face the temptation or the old nature or peer pressure, you need to say, I'm done with that stuff. See, we need that. That's why it says, get baptized, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And so what I've done, I've put four footboards out here in the front. And guys, if you, and I, I don't want you to do this, as I said, for the show of getting wet or pleasing your parents or your friends. This is about a serious declaration we make. I declare today that Jesus broke the power of sin in my life. I declare today that I'm I've, I'm done with sin. I declare today that I have new life in Christ. I declare today that I'm united with Christ. That's what you're doing. It's what He has done. It's always about what He has done. That's what baptism is all about. And if you want to get baptized, I'm going to invite you to put your names down on those, uh, on those um, clipboards. We'll do that. We're going to have a time of worship in a minute. The other is this, that I just sensed again that it is so important that we, we once again recognize what Paul was saying, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. 
I don't know if you remember in Romans, Paul speaks about that being the kind of worship that God likes. I mean, God, I'm sure, loves our singing, but he loves a surrendered life way more. You see, you can sing without surrendering, right? You can, you can sing as like an angel, but God's far more interested in your surrender, in my surrender. And so, and Chams, maybe if you guys can come and just lead us. And I've, and I've created some more space in the front here. Somebody said, is this so we can dance? And my answer was yes. But, but what I'd love us to do during this time of worship, if you want to come during the worship time and write your name on the clipboard there and say, I just want to be baptized. I think that's an important step I need to take. Please do that. But the other is, I want to invite you to freshly surrender and offer your lives again to the Lord. Now hear me, not because you backslidden, but because you choose to do that. But we, we start this week in surrender. We start this week by saying, God, my body surrendered to you. My life surrendered to you. My heart surrendered to you. I think we need to do that every day of our lives, and we can't have a service like this where we do this every day physically. But tonight we can do that. You may want to come and do that in the front over here. You may want to come and just kneel and say, God, I'm just going to physically demonstrate what I'm doing. Nobody's going to force you. I'm hoping we'll all come and do that. But that'll, that, that, and, and I want to stress this is not about somebody being backslidden here tonight. If you are backslidden, please come and do that. It will be helpful too. But there's one last thing. You'll, you'll, you'll remember that the message was entitled Passing Over from death to life. And there may be somebody tonight who said, John, who's saying, John, I want to cross over. I want to cross over from sin to Jesus. I don't want to have sin to have power over me. I want God to have power over my life. I don't want to live in captivity. I want to live in freedom. And that is your choice. You may be saying tonight, that's what I want. I just want Jesus to have control of my life. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to repent before him tonight. And please feel free. If that's a decision you want to make, come and talk to Brad here, talk to me, talk to Howard, talk to one of the other elders. But, but let's respond to the Lord tonight. Because tonight is all about him. It's all about him. So let's stand as we, as we continue in worship. And the invitation and the offer is open to you.